Welcome to College Football Roundtable, your source for college football coverage, including major storylines, playoffs, can't miss game previews, and picks each week. Join your hosts, Dan, Rob, and Jordan at the roundtable for a show unlike anything else. As for Football presents the College Football Roundtable. Only in college football. Will you see a duck beat a Bruin by 15 points? TCU and Wake Forest keep moving along in their season with wins. Bama beats Ole Miss in a pretty meh game. Going into week nine, the CIC looks like it'll be a toss-up, but we'll talk about that later in the show. And I'm going to say it, the targeting rule needs to change. And this is your host, Rob. We've got Dano Ikebesa in Coastal Carolina. and or Jeez, I keep saying Coastal Carolina. I got Coastal on the brain. Jeez. Anyway, 7-0 Trigger Joe. He's outside in the home of the Big House. How's it going today, guys? Good, man. Uh, Army got the big, much-needed win uh, to sort of get their season back on kilter this week. And then uh, as I was driving home from the Army game, I listened to LSU slowly throttle Ole Miss. Definitely did not see that one coming. I think maybe the Tigers are better than I thought they were, which makes me wonder if maybe the Vols are also better than I thought they were. Probably going to find out this week. We'll see. Yeah, that's, uh, that old Miss team, I, uh, I just I never have any faith in them, man. Everybody talks about pulling a Clemson, and it feels like old Miss drops one a season that they absolutely should not. Um, so I always, I'm always counting on that, not to, not to throw off on Mississippi or Ole Miss, but, uh, it, it, they've done it to me, uh, several times in the past where it's like, they look hot coming out seven and oh, uh, like some of those Michigan teams under Brady Hoke. It's like, yeah, well, they haven't gone to Penn state yet. Yeah. They haven't gone to Iowa. You know, it's like, it's, it's, it's kind of like that. And Ole Miss dropped a road game that they shouldn't have, even though LSU, I'm sure their fans want to f- forget about this season, but yeah, yeah um, it was. I, I filled the filled the weekend with a little bit of football, a little bit of UFC, a little bit of Halloween because Michigan wasn't playing. But man, they're playing this Saturday night, and I cannot wait for that one. Yeah, I think I think it was pretty legit, man. Being able to being able to enjoy a, a bye week is always nice, particularly when there's other games that you want to watch or something else going on. And and that UFC was a, was a legit one. So if you did not watch it, I, I encourage you either to wait 90 days until it comes on free on ESPN Plus or Go ahead and find somebody that may have uh, recorded it because it was actually a pretty good fight. There was some dudes fighting for their life out there. Um, some serious competition, man. That was, uh, I mean, every match, the last four were unbelievable. So, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's just so goes. I think everybody who likes competition likes sports. All right. Well, we will roll into this week's top ten. Or, yeah, we'll hit the top ten, and I think uh, – you know, do we even really need to go into it? I mean, it's a rotating door at the top, but we'll let you go for it anyway, Dan. Well, you know, you got the same top teams, and and this is going to be this way until some of these teams play each other. You got Georgia's uh, number one. They're they were idle. Yeah, I guess you can't lose if you don't play. Uh, Iowa, Ohio State, excuse me, uh, beat Iowa fifty four to ten. Good God, Tennessee uh, beat UT Martin sixty four to ten. You know, what are you going to do? Michigan seven and zero. They were idle. Uh, looks like I guess they're going to beat Michigan State. I'll, Michigan State uh, this week. I'll let Joe talk about that. Clemson, no change. Number five, Bama beat Mississippi State with an injured Bryce Young. Got Texas Christian beating a surging K State team at number seven. Number eight, uh, Oregon moved up after beating the previously number nine UCLA Bruins. Oklahoma State uh, beat Texas. They are quietly looking like a pretty good team with one loss. Finally, you got. Uh, 
Southern California and Wake Forest both tied at 10 at six and one. And I don't know who cares about this, but I would personally pick Wake to win that particular matchup by two scores. Yeah, for sure. I think one of the things that, uh, you know, we, we, we talk about it all the time. Uh, and I think next week is when the, the playoff committee releases their first rankings and, uh, there's no love for the group of five schools again. So you got Cincinnati yeah. in, in two lanes, still in the top 25. Right now, the SEC has seven teams in the top 25. ACC has five. Big Ten has four. Pac-12 has four. Big 12 has three. And the American, surprisingly, has two teams ranked in the top 25. What's uh, Who are they? Who's, who, who are the two teams in the American? Uh, Tulane and Cincinnati. And that's they're, right, that's right. you know, and they're in the bottom, you know, they're in the bottom of the barrel. So they're really not having any impact as far as as far as college football criticism is concerned, I think everybody knows that Cincinnati is a good team. I don't think anybody will deny that. I just think that like they had their shot last year and mm. they missed. And so I think everybody's pretty much over it, but the 12 team playoff kind of will satisfy, you know, that itch once they get it implemented in a couple of years. Yeah. You know, Tulane always starts hot every single year. They start hot and then they have that late season swoon. So maybe this is finally the year that they don't do that and they push through and win the American or at least get to the conference championship game. We'll see. Um, it's amazing because at the beginning of the season, the ACC was dead. Nobody was talking about the ACC at all. It's all SEC, Big Ten. These are the only power team, you know, power conferences in college football. And they got five teams in the top 25. Um, you know, Clemson looked good. Wake Forest looks good. A couple other teams look, you know, pretty good. I mean, I hope that they can figure out their TV because I don't want to see the um, the athletic. What is it? The Atlantic Conference. I don't want to see them go away. Yeah, I, I think they got to figure out how to how to fix the realignment because I think and really with the with the realignment, I think that creates opportunities for some of the other teams. I don't know if BYU will join the ACC, but you know, <laughs> didn't they already commit to the Big Twelve? I think they did, but stranger things has happened. You know, like it, it's all going to depend on TV time. I generally think like, you know, they might as well just pull all the Texas and Oklahoma teams and make a Texas conference and call it, you know, the Oklahoma sucks channel or whatever. And let those guys play. Because again, when you look at the amount of money and TV time that's coming out in Texas, like these guys are, are really making good money. And for them to jump from, you know, when you look at A&M to go to the SEC or you look at, you know, Texas and Oklahoma jumping over to the SEC, all that really does is it boosts TV time for those other teams in that conference that wouldn't normally be on television. But, I mean, the SEC is already a heavy hitter. So, it, like, Texas and Oklahoma in the SEC, that that's going to be brutal for those guys. I just yeah. don't think that they're going to be able to compete because SEC teams play defense. What about yeah. the move coming for the Big Ten? You know, that's that's two gigantic revenue streams and programs joining Absolutely. the richest conference in America, USC yeah. and UCLA. If I had my choice to pick two teams, it probably would have been them or, or Oregon in one of their places. But it's incredible. It's almost like I feel like they should take the Pac-12, just disband it, put half of them in the big 12 and put half of them in the ACC and have four power conferences and, you know, maybe uh, turn it to a 16 playoff. Cause I, I had think, that mapped out a long time ago. I think it would be beautiful, but th there's so much change that's going to come to that system when all these teams start merging. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen in terms of which teams are in the pac 12, but I think they've got a TV deal in the works with CBS, which would be pretty interesting if they slide yeah. into the old sec slot on CBS 
that's a lot of money. That's a lot of eyeballs for the Pac-12. You know, that sort of thing can yeah. can change the calculus of your whole conference. Yep. Yeah, the, the the problem with the Pac-12 is just the late kicks. Like they're trying to get these primetime games. So primetime games on the on the West Coast, yeah, that's great. But all the eyeballs are either in bed or don't really care by the time those games kick off. So you're talking about 10:30 start time. Yeah, that's 7:30 local time. If I'm watching, you know, UW and Washington State, but I don't care about that game. Not because I don't care about those teams, just because I'm not staying up until two o'clock in the morning to watch a football game. And so I think if they move some of those kicks and I don't care if they had like some weird start times at like a three 30 or a one o'clock start or something like that, that would help them get the eyeballs that they need and maximize those television contracts. Cause at the end of the day, when you start talking name, image and likeness and, you know, being able to recruit, if you don't have that television contract, I mean, it makes it a lot more difficult, particularly in those teams that are, you know, you saw it this past weekend, as we'll talk about service academy football, but you saw, you know, ULM is always going to be stuck. Like they can have, they can have great players, but, you know, if I'm a top tier player at ULM and, and Bama or LSU comes knocking, I might be leaving, particularly now that the transfer portal has no implications on my ability to play the next season. But moving on to service academy football. A Army uh, got back on track this week with a solid win against a talented ULM team, 48-24. We deep dove that and asked for football show, so please check that one out. Navy continues to ride the sine wave of performance, dropping a game 38-28 or 38-20. The mids' offense is terrible. Their defense started looking good, but now it's starting to fall apart. I think it's because they're a little bit nicked up and have been, you know, a little bit deeper into their season. Houston had 441 uh, total yards of offense, and that was pretty balanced. They forced, and their defense forced two turnovers. I think the only thing that kept Navy in the game was Houston fumbled three times, so that kind of helped assist and gave them other opportunity, gave Navy other opportunities to score. Air Force cannot get over the hump with Boise State. Boise State is 7-4 seven, seven and four overall in the series and have won four in a row. You know, it was a back and forth game, but Boise still came out on top 1914 for the Broncos. And we'll kick it over to Dan for the commander in chief's trophy status. Yeah, man. Army is three and four with the bye week coming up. Have the first uh, CIC game against Air Force on November 5th. Should be a really interesting contest. This game was freaking awesome last year, not just on the field, but like the tailgates before and after just with all the old grads and stuff. You know, I'm not going this year, but it should be a great event again. Um, unclear how long this is going to be a neutral site game. Air Force is renovating their stadium next year, so it's at mile high. And then Army has to renovate their stadium as well. So, you know, Yankee Stadium in 2024, very much on the table. And now, you know, Navy is about to enter the toughest part of their schedule. They got a winnable game, a winnable game against a 2-5 and five Temple team that has yet to win an American Conference contest. However, they then take on Cincinnati, Notre Dame, and Central Florida before closing out against Army. You know, a betting man probably take them to be 3-8 and eight heading into the Army-Navy game. I'm really, really curious to see how the mids offense and defense look this week. Because, you know, their defense, as you said, Rob, started hot. But then, you know, they got into American Conference competition. And now they're now giving up almost 300 yards passing per game. Um, you know, obviously Temple is not SMU or Houston, so are they going to win big or, you know, is Temple going to throw all over them too? I'm I'm really curious. That's like one of the things I'm watching this weekend. Yeah, for sure. And then moving on to FCS really quick. FCS Coast Guard Academy has got MIT next week. They're idle. And then the Merchant Marine is 5-2. and two. They take on Springfield at home in senior day. A Merchant Marine Academy is legit. So, like, if you are not thinking about going to West Point, Air Force, or Navy, take a look at the Merchant Marine Academy. Same kind of cold in New York. 
but uh, obviously it's a good uh, football school if you if you uh, have the the gumption to try and play some uh, FCS service academy football. But all that being said, it's uh, the moment that we've all been waiting for. Time to see who Joe's Blue Falcon of the Week is. Oh, you already touched on it. I, I didn't want to say anything while you were talking, but uh, you know, it's the, the committee making up the rules on this targeting call. I've seen it affect so many games now for the negative and the times that they've actually tossed the kid out where it didn't affect the game. It was almost irrelevant. I've never, I, I it's never been like, yeah, that was needed. Um, you know, Michigan's starting linebacker gets thrown out of the game because he tackles uh, Kurt Cousins as he's falling down and they go face to face. And it's like, dude, he's six, six. He was leaning into the tackle and Colonel Rob, I know you see it all the time where it's like the guy's a ball carrier. Like, you're taking these defenders and handcuffing the way they can play the game. And that's the part about it that I can't stand, is that the the refereeing gets so bad. It's like the Calvin Johnson rule in the NFL when he put that ball down against the Bears. It was opening game 2010, I believe. Okay, they had no – there was no rule then. They made, they made the wrong call, and their arrogance was to say, well, that's always been the rule, but since you guys weren't clear, it's a new rule now. And it's like, that's kind of a slick way of saying you just made that up. And so this targeting called the gray area on whether the guy's guilty or not, or should be thrown out. It's so skewed and it hurts the game more than it helps the game. So rules committee, you are my blue Falcon of the week because you take football and you turn it into something so complicated that the kids forget how to play. And it, it, it's almost like every single year there's a new yep. way to coach Little League football because the ref screwed up a game in college football on CBS that everybody saw. So they made a new rule because they couldn't have the integrity to say we screwed up. And uh, if this wasn't for uh, everybody's ears, I would have used a different word there. But, yeah, it, it's really annoying <laughs> to see your team go up, lose their defensive captain, then lose the game. And it's happened to Michigan, and I know it's happened to plenty of fans out there. So. Rules committee, you're wearing the Blue Falcon T-shirt until you change that one. So come get yeah. your shirts. Yeah, for sure. Like this whole targeting thing, like my stance on it is, is like, look, if you really want to see targeting, go back and watch like old school NFL videos, like the Ronnie Lots, the Steve Atwaters, the Rod Woodsons of the world. Those guys actually targeted people like they, you know, lowered their shoulder, dropped their head and massive collisions and, you know, I full well expect to see those guys have some kind of certified CTE freaking diagnosis after they pass away, you know, hopefully 30, 40 years from now, but who knows with, with professional football, but I understand the player safety aspect of it, right? We want to protect the players. We don't want guys to get hurt. Everybody gets that. But when a defensive guy is coming in to make a tackle and the offensive guy makes a football player move, i.e. he drops his shoulder, turns his body, you know, shifts the ball from his left hand to his right hand. If he does any of that before he makes contact with that defensive player, that's the part that really needs to be assessed. You're reviewing it anyway. So if I got to watch the video to see like, hey, did this guy drop his shoulder on this kid or did he, you know, literally was his back turned and he took a helmet in the spine? That is completely different. So like there's tons of videos. Like I said, I watched, I did about 40 minutes of research on this just visually and watch these videos from 2020 and 2021 of the targeting rule. And really what it boiled down to is the ref's discretion. And that's what we want to avoid, right? You want to avoid the referee's discretion because then you're putting that referee in a bad position because he's got to make a call. And Oh, by the way, 
he's got to watch the rest of the game and it happens early. Now this guy's like, okay, well, how do I even this up? Because I really screwed that other team by taking out one of their star players on a questionable call. And so for me, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty easy. You know, I'll give you two bad calls a half. So that's four total for the game. Hopefully they go 50, 50, you know, and it goes on both teams because again, ultimately at the end of the day, we don't want the refs involved at all. We want the players to play and the games to turn out, but all too often you see it happening and, you know, thank God college football has not gotten to the point of where it is in the pros where sometimes you're just like, dude, where did that call come from? And who are they trying to get to go to the Super Bowl? You know, and you've seen that yeah. a, a ton in pro football. So I think, you know, at least there's a little bit of integrity left in college football, but the targeting rule absolutely has to change because you'll see a guy that's going after an ankle. There's a helmet to shoulder collision. They call targeting. They watch the tape and they're like, uh, oh, crap, what do we do? Well, we're still going to give him the 15 yard penalty, but we're not going to eject the guy like. What sense does that make? And again, it's too subjective and, and they could probably rewrite the rules, but I will pause their thoughts, gentlemen. It also screws up the tempo when they do that. You know, whatever team was hot, you just got a you just got an automatic cool off time. And say you're on the other side of the line looking at looking at the other team and they're ready to quit because they're sucking wind because you're going tempo and they just got a 15 minute break. Mm. Oh, well, now we're at the 20. We've got a short field, a short playbook. We they don't have to run as far. We can't take the top off. And you gave them a 15 minute break. You know, it's it's it screws up the game. And, and I I think the problem is you've got a lot of NARPs. And that's my own term. I should trademark it. Non-athletic, regular people making rules. And it's like, bro, it's football. Phones are going to break. People are going to get hurt. But no one made these kids go out there. They want to play. Let them play. So that's that's my that's my rant. Daniel, yeah. what about you? Now, now, I don't know, man. I'm um, this. You know what? I I'm, this is probably one where I I will defer to the experts. I I probably. I'm probably a little bit more willing to tolerate some targeting calls that, that shouldn't be in the name of player safety. But the one that, that the kid uh, D Domenico got from army, that was terrible just because how do you avoid it? Right. If there's, if there's no way to avoid it, then you're going to eject this kid for a half. Like I like that. I don't like, but what are you going to do, man? Yeah. And, and the, the reality of it is, is it's like, what's, what's the purpose of ejecting the kid from the second half of the game or from another half of the contest, right? Is that going to teach him a lesson? Was he going to be watch? Is he watching films on how to properly tackle on the first half of the next game? Like it doesn't make any sense. I would prefer to see, you know, depending upon the severity, like a warning, you know, like, Hey, look, if it's, if it's like a legit targeting call where a dude like spears, a guy helmet to helmet to back or whatever, then we go, okay, cool. He's getting ejected. But if it's one of those kind of questionable calls, you still give him the penalty. And then you give that kid a warning, just like they do for any other unsportsmanlike play. And like, hey, if it happens again, he's gone. You know, I think that's a little bit more reasonable than taking a kid out for a half of football for, you know, a mistake that any player could make at any time during the and game. It's not like it's hard to see when a person launches themselves and leads with the crown of the helmet. Like that, that is pretty exactly. obvious. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, you it take just, the it, face it, mask out of it too. Like the face, yeah. if I go face mask to face mask with you, it wasn't intentionally malicious. Now, if I'm <laughs> leaning like that, to, with the crown, but yeah, then you're trying to do damage, and especially if you launch. I mean, yeah. like Steve Atwater on Christian Okoye, he was like a yeah. missile. Yeah, well, yeah. That it, today like, would get you tossed, and it was one of the greatest hits of all time. Yeah, it, it legitimately, it, it legitimately is like it's just a change in the collision, 
ultimately what it boils down to. It's a change in the way that the players are impacting each other. And, and like I said, I'm not for or against it. I understand the need for player safety. I think everybody understands that. But when, when you know, guys are getting lost for, you know, basically a game and a half, right? So if it happens in the, the second half of a football game, that kid's – or, you know, he misses an entire football game almost. If it happens in the first half, you literally do. You know, yeah. if you miss the second half, you can't come back for the first half of the next game. Like, what is up with that? And, and there's so few games, too. You know, missing missing a whole game, is that's a lot of your season. Like, that sucks a lot. Yeah, it's not like, you know, and, and NFL players complain that the season is too long. So there's got to be a balance somewhere, you know. And, and, and we'll we'll put a pin in this one. But I think, uh, yeah, the targeting rule has a change. Joe, I absolutely 100% agree with your Blue Falcon of the Week. We should make the T-shirt and send it to the NCAA Rule Committee because uh, they deserve it, rightfully so. Talking about games of the week. Hey, no Wednesday games this week, which okay, I guess. Uh, it kind of sucks because I'm used to watching football on Wednesday nights now. It, it definitely sucks. It, it fully knows, you know, yeah, absolutely. That sucks a lot. Yeah, so no Wednesday game is kind of crappy. But uh, you do have a ranked matchup on Thursdays. you got Utah and Washington State playing late on FS1. So if you want to stay up until 2 o'clock in the morning and you don't have to work on Friday, go for it. Uh, Friday, the the 28th of October, you got East Carolina and BYU. That should be a decent game. It kicks at eight and you got LaTeX and FIU. And that's probably going to be a decent one to watch on CBS Sports Mm. Network. High noon kicks on Saturday. So you've got uh, Ohio State and Penn State. I I think that's going to be a track meet, man. Like, I don't know if you've been watching Marvin Harrison Jr. That kid is like legitimately probably the best wide receiver in college football right now. Like the catches that he's making, like he's got his dad's uh, hand skill for sure. And he's like a foot. Uh, I want to say he's like six inches taller and about 40 pounds heavier than his dad was. Mm. He's a beast, like straight up monster. Yeah. Uh, I think that'll be a, a good game to watch. Like even if you don't like Ohio State, you should watch them just for the performance of the wide receivers, because what those guys are doing, they're cranking out first round draft picks at the wide receiver position. So, like, your favorite new receiver on your NFL team probably graduated from Ohio State. (laughs) But uh, moving down the line, uh, you got Notre Dame at Syracuse. I don't know if this one's going to matter. I think earlier in the season it would have. But Syracuse, you know, still pretty hot team. They lost one, and they're playing against a beat-up, poorly coached Notre Dame team. And surprisingly, it's on ABC for once and not the old NBC network of channels. But – you know, Syracuse and Notre Dame should be an interesting contest just for the fact to see if Notre Dame can keep it close. And that's about the extent of it. You got TCU and West Virginia. That's going to be a barn burner. I think both of those teams will mm. score a ton of points. I don't even know what the over is, but I would take it on that one for sure. 79 and a half. It's oh 79 and a half. For people to pull that over trigger, aren't they? Oh, yeah, man. They are. Well, I mean, points, bro. but TCU has hit the over like three or four weeks in a row. So I think sure. they're, they're trying to, they're trying to throw some, throw some ice water on that. But uh, moving down, like, again, this is a game that would have mattered if these guys were any good. Arkansas and Bama at 12 and uh, Miami and Virginia. Miami is doing terrible in the ACC. I don't know if you guys have been watching those guys. They are, are not performing. The U needs a restructuring and they probably need to bring back like half of their team from like the nineties as assistant coaches <laughs> or something to motivate those dudes. And with name, image and likeness, they have the money to pay the players. So, Hey, you know, make everything that was illegal in Miami legal and we'll call bring it a playmaker good. back. Have Michael Irvin coach mm-hmm. and have him coach against Deion Sanders and the, which coach has more swag bowl. <laughs> yeah, there you go. 
That would be that would be one to watch for sure. Early afternoon kicks. You got Old Dominion and Georgia State. I think that one will be a good game because Old Dominion yeah. is playing pretty well. And Georgia State, although they're streaky, they have been putting on some really good performances in close games. And like again, if you're if you're a betting man, whew, that's a tough one to watch. Like if you want to take Georgia State to win outright, you're definitely rolling the dice. You'll probably be lighter in your pocket. But ODU is playing very, very well this season. And so I think that would be a, just a good contest football-wise to watch. You've got Temple at Navy. We talked about that when teased it a little bit. I don't know, man. I think Temple is going to roll them. Uh, Navy has been inconsistent all season. Their defense is nicked up. We'll see. you got Illinois and Nebraska. That's a good one. Like, Nebraska's 3-2. and two. I mean, they've won some games. You know, it's just, like, it's not highly publicized since uh, Scott Frost has left. you got Cincinnati at UCF at 3.30 on ESPN. you got Florida versus Georgia. They're playing in Jacksonville, which it's the world's largest tea party. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So anytime Georgia goes down, you know, to Florida, if they're playing in the swamp, that's even crazier. But, uh, you know, I hear Jacksonville has a great TGI Fridays and (laughs) there should be a great football contest. I I mean, anytime any SEC team with any type of swag goes into Florida, like you got to put them on upset alert, at least until the first half. And, uh, yeah, we'll see about that one. Here's another one that's uh, I'm sure the over is outrageous on this one. Oklahoma State and Kansas State at 3:30 on Fox. Again, you know. All right, so I'm back. All right, sorry about yep. that. So you got sorry. Oklahoma State and Kansas playing at 3:30 on Fox. That one's going to be a good game. And again, take the over on that one unless it's like another 85 points or something crazy like that. Uh, old ACC rivals, Wake Forest at Louisville. Those guys are playing. That should be a good game. Uh, I think Wake will take it, but uh, Louisville could play them tougher than normal, but Louisville hasn't been in that rare form when everybody's talking about, oh, these guys are the best. But that was back when Lamar Jackson was playing, which was like 500 years ago as college football is concerned. You've got Oregon and California playing. Uh, we're starting to get into the season where Oregon's probably going to drop another one. And I say this all the time, like – you know, as, as Joe mentioned, there's always those teams that like, hey, these guys are powerhouses and then they're just going to lose it towards the end of the year. And Oregon is one of those guys, one of those teams every season, like the Ducks look like world beaters and then they'll trip up on Oregon State or, you know, they'll lose to JMU, which they're absolutely not supposed to, but they will. Uh, you got Missouri at South Carolina in the uh Four o'clock slot and then the early evening kicks. I think this is this is probably honestly would be my game of the week is Kentucky at Tennessee. I think that is going to be a game. I think Vegas doesn't want you to make money in that one either. They got uh, Kentucky as 12 and a half point home dogs. I do not like that because Tennessee has the ability to win that game by 100. But if they come out and lay an egg, 12 and a half points can be hard to hard to match. So I don't I don't like that game betting wise, but man, I'm going to watch that one. Yeah, that, I think that's a definitely a watchable game. You got USC at Arizona at seven on Pac-12 Network, Ole Miss and Texas A&M. And then your your primetime game, the only one that's kind of worth watching. Uh, well, Middle Tennessee and UTEP would be good if you have ESPN Plus. But on the ACC Network, you've got Pitt and North Carolina. And again, North Carolina is one of those teams up and down all season. They've had great potential, but they fall short a lot. Considering how the season started, it's crazy that Pitt is the unranked half of that matchup. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely agree on that one. And, of course, your red-eye games, uh, the only one that's worth staying up for probably if you're a big fan is Stanford and UCLA because who knows how 
those things go. All right. You're missing one. Well, which one is that? Big one? Oh. rivalry game. Oh. Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Smarty's yeah. coming down Arbor to pay the tab for all the trash talk I've had to listen to for the last 364 days. And they've racked up quite a bill. It's going to be an absolute evisceration of that team. <laughs> They're going to get decimated. Yeah, I, th- I I think honestly, this is one of those games where where Harbaugh probably won't let off the gas. He's gonna yeah. like if it, they have a chance to hang seventy, they'll hang seventy on them. I think, uh, you know, I saw a meme going around of uh, Michigan State's uniform, and it's you know their their dark green uh, alternate uniform that says "Little Brother" on the front. Huh. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty bad. But uh, yeah, I think that's gonna happen. So Dan, what's your game of the week? So um, I had, had took Army and Navy over both uh, last week and, and both hit. They both went way over, so I was happy about that. Also took uh, Notre Dame minus 25 versus Nevada for the cruiserweight strap, and that just missed. Man, what are the Irish doing? How do you not beat the crap out of Nevada? Anyway, this week I am watching uh, Kentucky at Tennessee, Wake Forest at Louisville, and then I've got two in the American, Cincinnati at UCF and Temple at Navy. Um, you know, we talked about that, but I just want to see how the mid-secondary does because they've been getting smoked. Joe, how about you? Yeah, I'm definitely going to be watching Michigan, Michigan State. I'm going to be peeking at uh, Kentucky, Tennessee. And, uh, you know, I'm going to watch a little bit of that Florida-Georgia game because I, I haven't seen enough of Georgia this year. And uh, Florida gets into that game, you know, say they say they get a quick one and that crowd gets into it. We'll see how good they are, you know, because that's yeah. a tough place to come back from from uh, being down. So, I'll be checking that one out and uh, always going to watch Ohio State and Penn State. That's uh, definitely what I'm going to be tuning into at noon. And I I, I like Ohio State to cover in that game, but I'm also not picking it because it's 15 and a half. Uh, A ranked 15 and a half point dog at home. It just I stay away from those. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of disrespectful for me. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for me, I'm going to, again, ODU and Georgia State, I think that's the way to watch. That's a game to watch just because, like, think about it. Those guys were, you know, a few short years ago, both of those teams were FCS teams. And they're kind of doing it right because they're moving up and they're winning. And I think that's the the most important part. James Madison is another one. So if you get a chance in your local region to watch a James Madison game, I would check those guys out because they're actually playing some good football in the group of five. You know, Oklahoma State and K-State can't say that enough like that one's just going to be a barn burner again like if you don't if you want to see a lot of offense watch that game and again ut and uk is probably going to be a good one well let's pick some games dano what you got weekly locks so uh temple at navy over 40 and i gotta say I, i i wish that i would do a little bit more uh research on this because what i really want is to do a prop bet whatever the total passing yards are for the game i want to bet over that total passing number because i'm sure that it's rock bottom because temple's not a great team and navy definitely isn't passing a lot but this this particular matchup i think you're going to see more passing yards so anyway the way to express that easily in a straightforward manner is over 40 uh cincinnati plus a point and a half at ucf line is all over the place you can get anywhere from UCF plus a point and a half to Cincinnati at a plus a point and a half. So I took that while it was available. By the time you hear this, it probably will not be available. And finally, Coastal Carolina plus two at Marshall. Yo, Coastal has one bad game two weeks ago, and suddenly we are selling them against a Marshall team that's just four and three. That's madness. Called a trap game. That happens. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, for me, I was two and two this week. I hit on TCU and K State on the over, and again, Vegas is against me now because they moved that line big time. Uh, BC and Wake, I uh, hit the under on that one, and then uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, I missed on uh, Minnesota and Penn State and UCLA and Oregon. My picks this week. I'm hoping that uh, the line moves on the over under on TCU and West Virginia, but I would take uh, TCU to cover seven and a half. I think that's more reasonable than the over under. So that's why I'm going with this week. Uh, take the over of 58 at K-State and Oklahoma. That's like way too easy. And wake to cover five and a half against Louisville. Joe, how about you? Yep. Yeah, I went three and one last week. Uh, God, I can't remember which one I which one I missed on. Oh, it was Ohio State. It was actually Iowa uh, plus 30. No, that was how I bet I missed that one. But I can't remember the one I missed for, on the actual show. But I'm rolling with the Qs again this week. I got Syracuse minus three. They were just minus two and a half yesterday. They're already minus three. Get them while they're get them while they're a field goal because they're going to put that hook in there. They're going to be minus three and a half before kickoff at least. So I like Qs minus three. Um, I like the Michigan Michigan State game to go over fifty four and a half. I think that's going to be like a 40, 45 seventeen game. Um, I'm not going to take Michigan minus twenty two and a half, even though I don't think that's a bad bet. Um, I'm going to take the over in the Cincinnati SMU game. Both those offenses average 37 points a game. Exactly. The over under is 56. Um, I think that's because the Cincinnati's defense is a little bit better, but UCF scored 70 alone in one game this year. Um, so they're, I, I believe, and they're at home. So I think that they're going to find ways to put up 25, 30 on that defense. Yeah. And Cincinnati will definitely do the same, probably win by a touchdown. So I like the Cincinnati pick. I like the over even better. So I'm taking the over in that one. Syracuse minus three, the over in the Michigan game. And then the Wake Forest-Louisville game. Because I think Louisville will be able to slow them just enough, I'm taking the under. Wow. Wake wins that game going away. But I've seen too many teams come in on the road and have a sleepy first half. I think Wake wins that game by a score, maybe two. Um, But Louisville has had a couple of games where they've slowed teams down that I wasn't expecting. So I'm going to take the under in the Wake Forest Louisville game. That might be the reason I go three and one, but who knows? Maybe it's the reason I go four and oh. Um, there's my picks. Yeah. It's, I don't know. I think that's fair though, because Louisville is kind of the way that it is. You know, they're trying. But uh, like I said, I, think- I wish I wrote that number down, the over under. It's high. It's up there in the in the 60s. Uh, and I, I did, I, I'm doing this off my iPhone, so I don't have the analytics in front of me. But I yeah, think usually, uh, Nano is looking it up as we speak. Yeah, usually I take the the only time yeah, I take the over consistently is when it's Big 12 play, and that's just because it's the Big 12. They don't play defense. I mean, that's been that way for like 30 years. Yeah, I think Dan's still looking, and I know. Yeah, yeah. Do you, you guys keep talking. I need another another minute here. <laughs> I, I will definitely dig that one up. Yeah, but for sure, like one of the things that we're going to talk about, we already talked about targeting and kind of deep dove that, but one of the things that we were going to talk about last week as Dan was doing his research, and he's already researched this piece too, is how rushing wins football. And so, you know, a lot of people always are, are, are down on the service academies about running the triple option. Like, oh, I don't understand why they run the triple option or they run so much or Air Force runs or Army runs or Georgia, Georgia Tech runs the the offense the way that they do but there's some simple principles about running the football that actually matter right and when you run the football you can actually control the game time of possession is important you know in the nfl the difference is and like we had coach drink call on uh on the as for football show and one of the things that he talked about is like now we've gotten to the point where you know we're running rpos 
and it's basically triple triple option play and your short passes out to the flats are basically long handoffs. So it's building in that kind of rhythm type offense now, but even still the teams that are able to have success are the ones that can actually run the football to set up those RPOs, to bring the defense in, to have those long pitches. But I will not steal any more of Dan's thunder. I'll let him dive into uh, this piece on how rushing wins football. So one of the most common questions that we get at Astro Football is, why does Army play their defensive backs back five yards off the ball and, you know, give the other team these short passes. Like, why are they playing a bend but don't break defense? And it's because your average, average college quarterback is completing something like 60% of his passes. So if four out of 10 passes are going to hit the turf, then as a defense, if you avoid getting beat over the top, then you really only need one other good thing to happen if you, in order to force a punt, right? Just statistics, basic statistics are going to get you off the field if they're throwing over and over again and four out of 10 passes are going to hit the ground unless the other team can run the ball because if you're running the football then you're putting yourself into manageable situations and now it's it's much easier to create first downs and and just create chaos in general and this is where i think watching the nfl has skewed like the way that people watch college football fan uh college football because you just think all football is football but the reality is nfl quarterbacks can make those those five yard check down throws they'll make those nine out of nine times so these, those are the best quarterbacks in the world. Those are the best quarterbacks in the world, right? So they absolutely can take whatever the defense gives you. So if you play bend but don't break in the NFL, you're just going to wind up at first and goal with at the end of every single off, offensive possession. That's just those those pro teams, they're that precise. College, this is not – college players cannot, on average, do this. They're not as good. They don't practice as much. Like – this is this is why it's it, it's so much different. And that's why college football is so much about how explosive you can be. If you can throw down the field and get those big plays, that helps tremendously in college football, even more so than in pro football, because that repeated precision is very hard to come by in college. So that's why, you know, at Army, they always say it's a precision strike Army offense. But then you're like precision. Dude, they're running the triple option. But it is precision because they're running every play precisely for four yards. So anyway, that's why running the football wins games, because you don't have to complete all of those damn passes that are very, very hard to complete. Instead, you get yourself into these short and manageable situations. Screw that then, but don't break philosophy up completely. Yeah, and yeah. I did a little little look at the numbers. And so when you look at the top 10 rushing teams, you know, with the exception of Army being number two, <laughs> the majority of the top 10 rushing teams have winning records. And so those guys are, are over the 500 mark. Whereas if you look at the top 10 passing teams, majority of them are close to 500 or just under, and that's because they can't control the ball. And so, you know, when you look at the, the top 10 passing teams that are actually winning, you've got Georgia and Tennessee, but Tennessee is, you know, number five and Georgia is number 10 respectively. So th what does that mean? They're supplementing their offense with the run. And so Absolutely. that kind of it, it takes it out of balance. And oh, by the way, if you haven't watched Hendon Hooker as a quarterback, that dude runs a lot, <laughs> you know? And yeah. so when you look at it from, from the perspective of being able to, and as Dan was saying, like if I have six out of 10 passes, I'm going to hit, but I can increase my accuracy through that check down. And if one of my check down is I tuck the ball in and run like Tennessee does, or like Georgia does, then those passing numbers still look impressive. But the, the supplement to that is like, Oh, these dudes are tucking and running. So they're more of eight out of 10 plays 
that they're advancing the ball rather than six out of 10 plays. This is why I harp so much on quarterback accuracy, because if you think about it, a 5% change in accuracy is like one to two passes dropped or, or just off target per game. That's huge. Like two passes, you know, it, those are almost certainly going to come in a critical point in some drive. So that's one to two drives that are extended, uh, you know, and the difference between 60% and 70% accuracy is freaking ginormous. So, and then you get a guy like Grayson McCall, who's got 70 plus percent accuracy, but he's throwing down the field. Forget about it. That's like sniper deadly. Go ahead, Joe. Oh, I was just saying about, you know, running the football. If you looked at App State Thursday night, I mean, their coach, and when it's effective and when you can do it, that's why we say running wins football games. The coach said at halftime to the the ESPN reporter, I am not throwing again. (laughs) I'm done with every single throw we did didn't work. We're going to run the ball so the game says zeros on the clock. And he never threw again. And, you know, App State's got a running back that's probably going to play in the NFL, uh, Cameron Peoples. He is uh, 6'2", 225, and they rode that dude down the field. It it absolutely demoralizes the defense. And when you've got a defense going, God, I wish they'd throw, you've already beat them. Mm. You know, you've already beat them. Because Colonel Rob loves the front seven play. When, When you've got a line that can run the ball, you can win. With seven minutes to go, if the game's within reach, you can run the clock out and score. Yeah, and that's that's why Michigan's '97 team was so great. That put all five of their got their linemen in the NFL. If they had the ball and the lead with seven minutes, they're going to run it out. Yeah, and, and and I think that's a, the other part of it is is time of possession and and again plays on the defense. And and I've been talking about that a lot this season. But plays on the defense, like that sucks. So like if I can run for three three and a half yards and get a first down every three plays, that defense is getting tired. Because defense is, is much, much more reactionary than offense. And so from a thinking man's perspective, like, hey, if you've had a really tough day at work and you, you know, you're engaged in all these meetings and you're running yourself ragged, what happens when you get home? <sighs> you basically just collapse because mentally you're exhausted because you're reacting all the time. But like when you set your schedule and you hit everything on your schedule and it kind of just rolls through nice and easy, then you're, you're a little bit more refreshed at the end of the day. And that's the difference between offense and defense. Offense has a plan, program, and a schedule that they're trying to execute plays that everybody knows, whereas the defense is like, yeah, I can watch all the film that I want, but I'm still reacting to what the offense is doing. And when they have those game-breaking plays or, hey, a fullback dive that, you know, is supposed to go for three yards goes for 30. Like, not only did I have to chase this dude down, now I have to get reset, and now I have to be like, oh, crap, are they going to run the dive again? Are they going to pass? And then you add all those additional variables because the unexpected happens, particularly from running. Everybody expects a fly pattern with a guy to go streaking down the field and either he catches it or he drops it, right? And the teams that are elite have the ability to make more of those down the field passes, you know, hit the jackpot than the teams that don't. And so when guys are consistent, like when you watch, you know, any Super Bowl quarterback that has won, like when you watch like the, the like I'm going to use – Aaron Rodgers as a Packer, I'm not a Packers fan, but like if you watch him, like when he's in rhythm, that guy doesn't miss. You know, it's boring actually to watch an NFL team take a kickoff, uh, a touchback, and then just drive all the way down and score just with these little dink and dunk passes. It's like, like when yeah. is something going to happen? That's that's why he's in the pros, man. That's why he's Aaron Rodgers. And it's not because he can throw 30 yards down the field. The pitching wedge shot. You know, yeah. he just picks them apart, man. It looks like look, there's, it looks effortless when he does it. But it, but Dan was right. That, that is the top one percentile of people that can do that on the planet. 
They don't play football in other countries like they do in America. So the NFL quarterbacks are the absolute best of the best. Yeah, that is a fact. Well, hey, guys, that was a great show this week. And we are coming up on like 48 minutes, which is a little bit longer than normal. But, hey, we had a bye week this week and we had some really good research and stuff we had to talk about. So, hey, in NCAA rules committee, do us a favor, get rid of targeting or modify it so we're not losing players for like a, <laughs> a, a, a game half. We would be very appreciative of that. But the other part of it is, is like we want you to protect the players, but but don't continue to, to irritate every legit football fan. And some of us that grew up watching Ronnie Lott, like don't even see the necessity of calling that play. You know, like it, it like it is what it is. Like if you have not looked at, it, if you're a young kid, YouTube freaking Ronnie Lott's crunch time and watch him destroy people in the de- defensive secondary. And you'll understand like, Whoa, wow. The hits that guys are getting today by comparison to those older dudes is it's a marked difference and it's good because that means we actually are protecting the players better than we did back in the 60s 70s and 80s but all that being said another great roundtable show we are looking forward to this weekend's contest hey hey, joe good for you we will see uh, michigan state taking out the trash we will see navy get smacked around by temple and army is going to be uh resting with their feet up prepping to play the air force academy and Hopefully that goes well down in Arlington, but for the team here at ring knocker radio, we've got Joe and he's not triggered today, but he probably will be a little bit at halftime. If uh, things aren't going so well for (laughs) for the big blue, we've got Dan in coastal Connecticut. I'll say it right this time and Rob, the angry Colonel out of Vietnam. And this is a college football roundtable. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks. Beat him. Thanks for listening to the Ask for Football College Football Roundtable. Tune in next week as the AFF team brings you more hot takes and college football analysis. We'd like to thank our sponsor, BuyerBarn.com. BuyerBarn.com is the world's first platform to perform online auctions and sales for farm animals. BuyerBarn.com is dedicated to helping small farmers in America and are extending a special discount to military veterans who want to help in the revolution of the family farm. Go to BuyerBarn.com forward slash military. That's BuyerBarn.com, B-Y-R-E-B-A-R-N.com to learn more and to get started or email them at info at BuyerBarn.com. Thanks again for listening to Ask for Football College Football Roundtable and as always, Beat Navy.